This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. I think one of the amazing things about the Yellowknife situation is um, you've got tens of thousands of people that had to evacuate. It's about two-thirds of the population of the Northwest Territories now, believe it or not, that has been evacuated because of wildfires uh, up north. And that includes the entire town of Yellowknife, which is about 20,000 people. And that includes... Um, not only the people that live there and work there and all the rest, but Yellowknife is home to the Stanton Territorial Hospital, the largest in the territory. Everybody who was in that hospital had to go to. Now, just think about that for a second, the logistics that would be involved in managing a situation like that. So we're going to find out exactly what goes into evacuating a working hospital, uh, you know, in a relatively short period of time to help us get a grasp on exactly what's involved. We're going to speak with uh, Dr. Warren Thirsk, who is president of the ER section for the Alberta Medical Association. Uh, Dr. Thirsk, thank you for joining us. I appreciate your time. Oh, thank you for having me. Um, you know, the, the evacuation of a hospital, obviously, it's a, it's a massive, massive undertaking, but we have done it before, right? We, we have some experience, fortunately. Well, I would say, unfortunately, True, I mean, yeah. we're talking about a, a horrible disaster. And I think before we talk any further about the, the nitty-gritty of evacuating a hospital like we did in Fort McMurray, uh, I think we need to acknowledge the scope and horror of the wildfire tragedy yeah. for all the people um, who were evacuated, whether in or out of hospital, and for all the suffering and losses that our fellow Canadians are having like across Canada. Um, in both in BC and the Northwest Territories. I mean, this is truly a horrific situation. It is. You're absolutely right. Uh, and, and I'm glad you did that because um, you can't lose sight of the fact that so many people are being affected uh, in, in horrible ways. Um, in terms of what we learned from Fort McMurray and, and other examples like that, I mean, it, it are, it's not like there's an action plan that's in place because I imagine every circumstance is different, but is it a place to start, I guess? I think there is, in general, a disaster plan that um, is designed by all healthcare systems to cover a wide range of disasters. Um, and so the type of disaster may change, and, and, and by definition, the disaster is usually unexpected. Yeah. But we can expect the unexpected and expect that something will require a major you know, response or situation. Um, and emptying a city or emptying a hospital sort of the extreme end of the response but um, it has happened before and it's predictable at some point somewhere in Canada it'll happen again so most systems have at least preliminary plans and agreements to assist each other and, and other things in place to help. It seems to me like when you put together that plan like you're talking about I mean you can't plan for everything right I mean there's almost an endless list of things that have to be done it can vary from from patient to patient so I mean in terms of that plan generally speaking but there's going to be instances that arrive every time something like this happens that's going to call for something that hasn't been thought of I would think. Absolutely. So there will be a general plan that sort of has a, a contingency set of general directions, but the actual implementation or the making it happen on the ground will have to adapt to local circumstances and the local situation. And so um, it's very complicated as you break down mm -hmm. a general plan. 
which would be a strategy, I guess, into a tactic of how are we going to do this today, given what we have. Um, one of the things I was wondering about is like the continuity of care. How, how does that work? So if you've got a patient that's, you know, I mean, in hospital, so obviously they're receiving some pretty intense health care and they transfer from Yellowknife down to, I don't know, Edmonton or Calgary or wherever they end up. How do you make sure that, you know, the handoff is done so that they're, they're getting the meds that they need? And I don't know, a million different things could happen. Do they carry a plan? Like, do they give it to the new doc? How does that work? So uh, it is a massive logistic undertaking. Yeah. And I think to break it down um, quickly and simply, I think the first step would be to, uh, once the decision is made to move a patient for any reason, um, the patient's individual care needs are assessed. And so we need to know what meds they need, whether they need oxygen or not, what their nursing needs are, what their other support needs are, if they need surgery, if they need an intensive care unit, a ventilator, dialysis, specialized specialist support, pediatrics, obstetrics, etc. There is a, a wide range of supports that the patient requires that really has them in the hospital in the first place. And so once you have a sense of the baseline or what the patient needs, then the next stage is to see what your transport options are. And so um, there's a variety of ways that patients can be transported by ground vehicles, by air vehicles, and so then you need to know what's available and what's possible. And then the final part is the destination has to be prepared and able to continue and provide those supports. So they have to be provided during transport on some level, and then they have to be provided at the, the landing zone and the destination place. And so all of that has to be coordinated ahead of time um, quickly and efficiently to move a patient for any reason at any point across any part of Canada. It really is amazing to think of everything that goes into it. Um, what about patients who aren't necessarily in hospital but have, you know, maybe daily health, I mean, chemotherapy, um, pharmacies, fam- all those sorts of things. So you've got all these evacuees who may not be in hospital but still have health care needs. How is that incorporated into the plan? So there will be um, th- there will be some efforts I think made to continue some of their therapies um, depending on the urgency of the therapy. Um, I mean, if we're talking something that needs to be done every day or two, like dialysis, that urgency might be slightly greater than someone whose chemotherapy is due every couple weeks. So it would depend again on the patient and their actual needs, and then the resources of the receiving location. So if you um, our patient who is receiving hospital services, but on an outpatient basis, which is what I think we're describing, you would then have to know where the patient is being evacuated to and then try to connect them with those services at the location they're being evacuated to. Um, and this would require communication. So I think most of the Stanton Hospital patients ended up going to Vancouver. Right. And so Vancouver would have to mobilize the resources to provide you know, those patients, um, the chemotherapy or the dialysis or the other supports that they were receiving at Stanton Hospital. Uh, last one, and then I'll let you go. What about the evacuated healthcare workers? Um, are they just evacuees? Is there, uh, can they be used as a resource? Are they involved in continuing care here? Is that even a possibility? Um, I think it is a possibility. It depends upon cross-border licensing, yes, which yeah. is an active topic in Canada right now of Uh, licensing physicians to work in numerous locations. Um, I think there is some precedent to having physicians in a setting of an emergency work in a province they're not originally licensed in, but it is certainly an act of conversation at the national level as to how we 
allow physicians to move from province to province uh, easily and quickly, especially in the setting of a crisis. Yeah, absolutely. It makes so much sense. Uh, Dr. Thurst, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you for having me. You bet.